not mess up up here. We're gonna sing some wonderful hymns today, though. That's what it's about, praising our Savior, Jesus. We're gonna say, Lord, we recognize you are the King of Kings with our first song, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Let's sing it out. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown Say amen. 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 God bless. Uh, To our guests today, one way you can help us is by taking that bulletin. You'll notice there's a little tear out on the right side. If you'll fill that in and drop it in the offering boxes on the way out, that'll make sure we get a record of your visit, and we certainly are glad you're here. It is wonderful to have Kathy McKee with us in worship service today. Amen. Today is a busy day uh, in the life of the church, a couple things. At the end of the service, we're going to receive what we call the Ray Roberts State Mission Offering. It's a special offering that 50% of it goes to the work of Ohio Baptist in starting and strengthening churches, and the other 50% goes to disaster relief. So our church goal is $2,500. At the end of the service, uh, the offering plates will be on the altar, and I'll give you instructions then, okay? So we're excited to be part of that. Secondly... Uh, For our home folks, at the end of the service, we're going to be voting on Matt Spurlock uh, to be continue the ordination process to be a deacon. So uh, I'll give you instructions at the end of the service. It will not take long, but we're excited to do that as we come forward together. Amen. I want you to. I want you just to get ready to pray. Joe Kramer, I want you to come. Joe's going to lead us in prayer, and as we pray today, certainly be reminded of the earthquake victims in Morocco. Morocco, uh, 
over 2,000 dead, many missing, injured, just a, a, a disaster. So pray for all involved, and we're going to ask Joe to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to come uh, to church and assemble together. Thank you for the gift of life today. We pray that you will uh, uh, bless as uh, we do our, our worship and singing. God, that our words will be pleasing to you and that uh, they'll be acceptable as uh, an offering of worship. God, we pray that uh, today, as we think about the disasters in the world, God, we pray for those who are uh, in this earthquake, and God, that uh, you would minister to them, and, and uh, God, that the church would be strong and be the church. God, help us as we uh, continue our worship today. We pray that you'll bless the uh, music and the singing and the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And let's stand together and... Uh, uh, a request I failed, go ahead and stand, a request I failed to mention, uh, we received a call this morning that Sandy George was put back in the hospital this morning. So uh, we spoke to her Wednesday, she, she was doing so good. Uh, I mean, really sounded like herself, suffered a fall and, and back in the hospital for like an overnighter and this morning had to be taken back. So pray for them, okay? Amen. Are you glad Brother Cody's here this morning? Are you glad Brother Greg's here this no. morning? Yeah. Are you glad Cage is here this morning? <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, Thank we, you, brother. We love you. All right. Well, uh, did, we, did we turn and say good we morning? Did not. We, we did, did not. not turn and say good morning. It can't be a Sunday morning unless you turn morning. and say good morning to a couple. Just a couple. If you're a believer, then you know there's something about that name, Jesus. He's the one who was sent from heaven, lived a sinless life, died for our sins. And there's something about that name. When we point everybody to it, there is where all the answers are held, is in the name of Jesus. And so let's sing about that name. There's something about that name, 177.
forsakes us as we see time and time in scripture he never once leaves his own alone he's always with us and that leaves us to say when things come our way when sorrows roll lord we know it is well with our soul amen
Thank you for this opportunity that we have today. Thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for hope. My prayer is if anybody has walked in the doors today feeling hopeless, that they would meet you. Lord, we ask today that we worship now through your word. Speak to us. What we don't know, teach us. What we need to be, make us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And as you're seated, uh, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church up to third grade. We do believe it's a big deal to be in the house of God. Give them a good welcome. Amen. Amen. Appreciate uh, the gang doing a good job of leading us in worship in Marcia's absence today, getting a little time away, so we're grateful for that. I want you to take your Bible this morning and join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. We're going to begin this morning at verse 13. I hope you've had a good morning. Hope you had a good uh, Bible study in Sunday school. If you're just joining us, I hope uh, 
you're ready to hear from the Lord today. I, I really feel like we've already had a great worship service, and here's our prayer, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Have you ever been distracted? If you haven't, you ought to try preaching sometime. You see a thousand different things going on. Uh, you'll say, well, what do you mean, Brother Greg? Well, I'm saying when you get up, that not only distracts what's happening, it distracts people around you, okay? So make sure that it's an emergency that takes you out of here, not, not the fact that you're thirsty, okay? Have you ever been distracted? I believe one of the best uh, things that have come out is not using your phone, not texting while you're driving. Because how many times uh, do we sit at a light only to see the car in front of us not moving because their head's down and they haven't seen the lights turn green? We're distracted in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of places. Distractions come from every angle of life. But I want you to be reminded this morning that distractions are not only personal, but there can be distractions when it comes to the church. We can get our mind off of the, the, the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. We can begin to think inwardly rather than outwardly. You know, years ago, it's hard to believe, in 04, this building was built. And we thought, boy, what a great, what a great tool to have. Keep in mind, we, we said at that time, this was to be a tool for God to use for the future, for those that are not yet here. And I want to remind you that there's a deceiver named the devil who's the greatest distractor of them all. You say, what do you mean, Brother Greg? I'm saying that when we come to worship and, and, and we're distracted and we're doing things, that's the devil. Because the last thing he would have you this morning do is worship in spirit and in truth. The last thing the devil wants you to do today is for your spirit to be moved. The last thing the devil wants to happen in your life today is for you to get saved. The last thing the devil wants today is worship. Well, as a matter of fact, he wants it. He wants it. He wants it. And that was his problem from the beginning. He thought he was God. And brothers and sisters, be reminded there is only one and we praise him this morning, and we look to his word, which is inspired by him and him alone for his glory. We pick it up, chapter 2, verse 13. And we go from a wedding celebration to a distraction at church. Are you ready? Got your Bible in hand? Here we go. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, uh, this morning I commented, that statement alone should give you an idea that something's coming. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen he poured out the changer's money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to him, 
to them, destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. I love verse 22. It reminds us that the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changed everything for the disciples, and the resurrection changes everything for you and me this morning as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are actually three different Passovers, three different passages that are listed in the Gospel of John alone. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they pin the Passover and this story toward the end of the ministry of Jesus. Here in the Gospel of John, it looks like it's at the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most commentators would agree that there are at least two Passovers within this three-year public ministry time frame of the Lord Jesus Christ and mark it down and make sure you understand something. Jesus was not playing around when it came to worship. He wasn't playing around when it was time to come to the temple and offer sacrifices. Now, coming off the hills of this great celebration and this miracle at the wedding of Cana, he comes to church. He comes to church. And it's interesting that when he gets there, he's not pleased. He's not pleased because they seem to be distracted. They seem to be away from what really matters. Now, now listen, it was busy. It was a busy place. And would you agree with me this morning? It can get busy at First Camden. We can do a lot of stuff. I heard one preacher say, if it's meetings you like, we can plan one for you. But folks, I'm telling you, sometimes meetings will kill a church. Sometimes doing will kill a church because we recognize that we're distracted from the main thing, Passover. This was a precious celebration, a celebration of the deliverance of the Jews from Egypt, from Egyptian bondage. Males 12 and older were required to go to Jerusalem to offer a lamb for sacrifice. I mean, this was a moving picture of what Jesus Christ, listen, of what he not only paid for on Calvary's cross, but the Jews represented, it was deliverance for them. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, a reminder that we didn't even have time for the, the bread to rise. We had to get out of Dodge and, and flee, and, and God was with us, and God has provided, and he brings us to the promised land. Well, in this picture, I believe we really get a photo of distractions. Everywhere they looked, everywhere they looked, Jesus saw people taking their eyes off of real worship, and he saw their hearts were far from him. Now, I want to ask you, how does Jesus know when our hearts are far from us? I want you to look, if you will, down at verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Boy, the picture here is that many can trust in Jesus, but he knows our heart. 
and he recognizes that our heart has never made a sincere decision. Let me tell you what is not sincere. A pastor pressuring you to make a decision. To tell you the truth, any good evangelistic pastor can make anybody feel lost. Sincerity is when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart and you know it's God speaking to your heart. And then you move in obedience to what God is telling you to do. Jesus knew what was in the heart of men. And boy, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I'm ashamed of what he knows about my heart at times. Aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad for the cross? Aren't you glad that he paid it all? Aren't you glad that you can sing, Cody, it is well with my soul, not because you think you're some super Christian, but because of the cross of Calvary? We can have assurance. The best gift you can leave your family, listen to me, dads, is your forwarding address when you die. And I want my kids to follow to heaven, don't you? I want to follow my parents to heaven. I want my grandkids to know that, that, that being in church on Sunday morning is more than offering sacrifices and a bunch of stuff that's being done. We are called to worship the king. I mean, worshipers were traveling distances, and, and how difficult would it be to bring your own sacrifice if you're traveling a distance? So, so to make it better and, and give us some options, they were selling animals and doves, doves for those who didn't have much money, and they could buy them right there. So we'll just do it when we get there. It's like you going on a trip and saying, we'll just get the groceries when we get there. Well, we'll just buy our sacrifice at the temple. And what started out to seem to be a good thing didn't last very long because in comes Jesus. And shouldn't we pray that if the Lord Jesus Christ were to step into a worship service here, that he would be pleased with what he sees, what he hears? Hey, and then according to verses 23 and through 25, and what he knows, what he knows. What God wants us to do, folks, is lay all our cards on the table. Now, on vacation just a few weeks ago, my grandsons and I were playing this game called golf with cards. You get four cards, and you can only, I, I can't believe I'm using a card illustration in a message. Um, the only thing better, better would be if I could show you a trick. Four cards, you all know what I'm talking about. You can only look at two. The goal is to get lowest cards. Kings count zero, boom, boom, boom. Well, while I was playing, our, our youngest son, Jordy, was sitting right here, our grandson, and he, of course, he's getting hammered by the other ones. So I began, when I would get a good card, I began to slip it into his four without him knowing I did it. Now I'm not only using a card thing, I'm telling you I'm cheating. But here was the fun of that whole process. If kings were zeros and I got a king and I'd slip him one, at the end when you had to turn them all up, he said things like this, I didn't even know I had a king. I didn't even know I had it. Folks, listen to me. A Christian, if Jesus knows our heart, you know whether or not you're saved. And I'm not trying to talk anybody out of being saved. What I am trying to make sure is the congregation I pastor goes to heaven when we die. I was a church kid that could answer all the questions right. I could tell you what it took. I could tell you that I share the gospel but I was the church kid that sat here every week and doubted whether or not I was really saved. 
You know why? Because Jesus knew my heart. I had my preacher fooled. Jesus knew their heart. He knew that maybe they meant well, but they became so distracted by stuff and the doing that they were missing the whole goal of worship. Their intent was good, but they were drifting. Traitors would get closer and closer to the inner court as they were in this Gentile court. One commentator said, no, most likely Gentiles who were trying to come to Jerusalem to worship weren't even able to get in now because of the money changers and the commerce that was taking picture, taking place. All the money changers were important because everything that happened had to be converted into Jewish currency. There was no way they were going to have an alien king on a coin. The money changers were important. Uh, years ago, when a group of us went to Ukraine, uh, this is the best I can tell you. We flew over there, which seemed like forever, and then we got to Kiev or Kiev to the airport and got in a car. This is my recollection, Ken, Jay. Then got in a car, I'm not embellishing this, and drove to Atlanta, Georgia. That's how it felt at 80 miles an hour. We went to bed, we got this motel housing, went to bed, everything was dark, everything was quiet, only to be awakened the next morning to chaos in the streets. People coming and going, coming and going, and we asked our guides, and then what's happening? He said, well, those are money changers. Everyone is getting their currency changed over to Ukraine dollars. Folks, I'm gonna tell you something. That was a big deal for people. After all, they're coming there to, to buy their sacrifice and, and to be able to offer it and to be able to worship, but what happened was business became bigger than the purpose of worship. Um, churches do not, listen to me, Churches are not businesses. Now, now you, have to, you have to handle your finances like business. But a church is in the business of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times I hear people in our own church offer me advice about what you do in the secular world. Folks, I'm telling you, we're called today as we come to worship. To worship King Jesus. Here's the first thing I want you to jot down. The sacrificial system that they had going, it was convenient, but it was corrupted. It was convenient, and it had become corrupt. It made it easier. I understand that. We get it. We get it. But it overshadowed the reason they were even there. Overcharging in the name of religion was a mockery to the Lamb of God. And when you think about the deceit that took place, be reminded that the other gospel writers, when they talk about uh, Jesus cleansing the temple, they, they write Jesus' words, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. But you know, even in the midst of it, Jesus shows great wisdom in how he handles it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. 
walk prudently. It means to walk with care, walk with thought for something that's ahead. The Bible says in Psalm 89, verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Oftentimes, a pastor, uh, somebody in ministry has REV in front of their name. Folks, I want to tell you there's only one to be revered, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 52, verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very, very high. Jesus walked and acted prudently. Uh, What did he do? What did he do? When you look at the passage, you see that he begins to remove them. Okay? Look, if you will. When he found, verse 14, in the temple, those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. He even said to those who sold doves, take these away. One commentator made, it, made an interesting point on this passage, that Jesus did not do anything to cause any of these to lose anything they had. He removed the, the livestock with, with the owners. He overturned the money changers for it to be retrieved. He even said, take the doves with you. See, there was, there was the issue. If you release the doves, there was likelihood they'd never come back. You know what he was doing? He was just showing what wisdom was all about when it comes to distractions. He says that they can be removed and worship can be restored. Number two, worship of our holy God has to be the priority. It has to be the priority. I don't know if any of you watched the U.S. Open, Women's Open yesterday, and Coco Goff, 19, I believe, won the U.S. Open her first major, I mean, it was a big deal, and uh, I didn't watch the interview after the win, but I did see an article this morning that caught my eye. It was a video clip of her after the match, bending down on both of her knees, clasping her hands together, and praying. And I just have a feeling that that 19-year-old girl was thanking the Lord for what she has experienced. Folks, let me tell you something. The world is confused about God and the Lord Jesus Christ because they're so confused about what worship really is. Recently on Wednesday night, we looked at the commandment of the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And for many, it's anything but that anymore. It's a a multiple choice of decisions I'm gonna make. Now, Now, keep in mind, He said, you've made this house a house of thieves. Listen to me carefully. If it's gonna be a priority, there are some things we've gotta realize. Sacrifice won't get it done by itself. Okay, Brother Greg, how do we sacrifice? Well, let's talk talk about uh, giving. Let's just talk about what we give the Lord, okay? That won't get it done by itself. Our offering, even teaching and prophesying and even preaching, misses the mark when our goal is not to worship King Jesus. This has to be a place of worship. Jesus makes a whip, a scourge. They understood it. No doubt they were watching him do it. But he had a passion. He referred to the temple as his father's house. He had a passion for it. 
Bible says in Psalm 69, verse 9, because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproach of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Zeal. What is zeal? Great pursuit of a cause. And Jesus had already told us, in a few weeks, you'll hear Cody preach uh, that passage in John 4, that there's only one way to worship, and that's in spirit and in truth. And Jesus was getting their attention. Well, how did they respond? Verse 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, what signs shall you do to show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Be reminded, the resurrection changes everything. And I love the fact that there were the Jews, the ones who questioned his authority. In essence, they were saying, what right do you have to do this? What right do you have to do what you're doing? He claimed that the temple was the Father's. They knew he was claiming to be the Messiah. His sign was about the future. He was going to build a new meeting place with God. And they were missing it completely. All they could think of was the building in which they were standing. Let me tell you something. First Southern Camden, I pray that it never happens. But if the roof of this building were to fall in, we would have church somewhere. Why? Because the building's not the church. The building is the place. I'm telling you, we read of one disaster right after another. Uh, the East Coast now is threatened by what's going to come this week. Morocco, thousands dead, thousands missing. Folks, I'm telling you, if I were not a Christian, if I did not place my faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I would wake up every day scared. But there is peace in the midst of the storm in Christ. Amen, church? He's in charge. You know, the Bible says uh, in the book of Acts, the, the Spirit of God had fallen and the power of God was, was working. And with great power, chapter 4, with great power, God gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. The resurrection changes everything. A little later in Acts chapter 10, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hung on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before God. I praise the Lord for that. The resurrection changes everything. Number three, what did the Jews do? They wanted to see a sign. And the fact that they demanded for Jesus to prove something tells us something about their spiritual blindness. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He doesn't have to do something so you believe who he is. 
Folks, I'm telling you, if you've ever seen a baby born, you've got to believe there's a creator. The world in which we live, if it were just taken off axis by degree, we would burn up. There is a creator, and that creator loves you so much that he came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and then died willingly on a cross to pay for every rotten thing you've ever thought, said, or done. That's the God I love and the God I surrender to. I praise the Lord. Don't you be asking Jesus to prove himself to you? We ought to be asking the Lord, Lord, is my decision sincere? Is my heart right? Help me. Number four, his death and resurrection was to provide a new temple, a new meeting place with God. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. When we sin, when we fail, we pray to God directly through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is he hears us, not based on our deserving it, but based on who he is. He deserves it. And I praise the Lord for it. The temple of his body was to become the temple of men, the temple whereby we would worship and be reconciled to a holy God. I love that. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How do you get to God, Brother Greg? How, how, how does a person get to heaven? How, listen, Jesus gives us the blueprint right here. He gives us the map. He gives us instructions that, that only we can mess this up, that he is the only way. 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, the Bible reminds us in the Gospels that prior to the resurrection, the disciples struggled with who he was. The Bible says in John, if you look at, at this passage, if you look at Mark chapter 16, the Bible says his disciples uh, up to this point, they didn't seem to grasp the reality of the resurrection. Verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive, and had been seen by her, who the women, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe. Remember the story of Emmaus? In Luke chapter 24, as they talked and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But yet, when they walked with Jesus, they finally recognized it was him. The resurrection changed everything. You see, when you look at this passage, it comes down to verses 23 through 25, two groups. There's a contrast between people who put their trust in Jesus and Jesus knowing that it's really not trust at all. A lot of people treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle. Lord, you get me out? I, listen, there's a lot of missionaries in the world who surrendered when they were, were backs were up against the wall. Lord, you get me out of this mess and I'll serve you with the rest of my life. And as soon as you out of that mess, you forget everything. He's talking about insincere professions of faith. He's talking about sheeps and wolves. He's talking about people who think they're saved and they're not. And he said one reason uh, that, that you don't get it is because you've never had it. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. 
The saddest day will be at the judgment seat, the great judgment, when one who has been in church all their life stands before a holy God thinking they're getting into heaven. Folks, if you're in the great white throne judgment, you're in trouble already. saw a conversation this week that said, uh, do you really think we're in the last days? Well, folks, I want to tell you something. We can pretty much operate cashless right now. It's all, it's all being set up. This is not going to last forever. You're not going to last forever on this side. But everybody in this building today is eternal. You're going somewhere. Bible doesn't say when you die, you dig a hole north of town and that's it. Your last breath, you're going somewhere. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it will be a sentence of condemnation in a real place called hell. You say, Brother Greg, don't say that. Don't scare me. Don't try to use that on me. Listen, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't. But Jesus died so that heaven could be your home. He died because our hearts are wicked. He died because we're all diseased with this thing called sin. But the good news is he came and he loves me and he loves you just the same and he paid for it on Calvary. That's the good news. You see, they wanted something spectacular. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. But we see the contrast. Number five, saying we believe and total surrender are two different things. Anybody can say it. Anybody can say it. W.A. Criswell writes, enthusiasm for the spectacular does not equal genuine faith. And a lot of people just want the spectacular. And as soon as the, the high from the spectacular wears off, life is back to normal. You see, for the disciples, the resurrection changed everything. Has it changed everything for you? What, what can it do, Brother Greg? Well, let me give you a few things. It can bring hope over despair. After I say these, I wanna hear you say amen. It can bring hope over despair. It can bring forgiveness over failure. It can bring peace in the storm. It can bring his presence in my pain, amen? It can bring friendship in my loneliness. Only Jesus can be salvation for my sin. Many saw it. But Jesus said, there's a great concern. It's one thing to say it. And it's another thing to surrender. Now, when you look at the first part of chapter two, can you remember last week? You know, they say never ask your people about last week's sermon. Well, most of the time I can't even think about what I preached last Sunday. But the first 12 chapter, or verses in chapter two, remember the wedding of Cana? Listen carefully. There was a big contrast in what we see in the first 12 and 13 through 25. The Cana gathering, the wedding, Jesus was invited. In the temple, he just shows up. Even though they were there to worship him, right? God, they, they, here he was in the flesh. He shows up. He takes initiative. In the wedding of Cana, he used people. You remember what he said? Go and fill and carry and do this, and they were about that. They were, they were listening to Jesus. His mother said, do whatever he says. He, he was invited. 
in the temple. He wasn't invited. He takes initiative. He uses people in Cana. He acts alone in the temple. At the wedding of Cana, he supplied the wine. In the temple, he removes the distraction. The wine was commended at the wedding. The host said, you've saved the best to last. In the temple, the cleansing was challenged. Who gives you authority to do this? Show us a sign. If you're really God, show us a sign. Jesus said, I'll show you a sign. It's coming. You're going to destroy this temple in three days, and it's going to be raised. Boy, they couldn't get it. Listen, their spiritual blinders were on. Here's the Lamb of God. It's Passover time. The Lamb of God standing right before us, telling us he's going to the cross as he has already stated. The wedding pointed to his death. The temple points to his resurrection. I love the fact that Jesus is big enough to remove the distractions in my life. Now, I want to tell you a distraction many of us have sitting in this church this morning. And it's a, it's a log, or your translation may say a beam. That's when there's something so big in my life going on, it's blocking my view, and all I see is the little piddly stuff in your life. And when we come to the point of giving God what we have, I'm telling you, he can change your life forever. He can change your life forever. I want you to think back when you got saved. Maybe it was a Sunday morning service, I don't know. Maybe VBS, or maybe it was in your home. Maybe it was an opportunity and a revival or somebody else, and God just used them, and all of a sudden, your heart began to feel like it was about to burst open during the invitation. Let me tell you something, that's the Spirit of God. Say, Brother Greg, how do you know when the Spirit of God speaks to you? I can't, I can't really describe it other than conviction like unpleasant conviction. And until you surrender to that, it will be unpleasant. White knuckle syndrome, man. We stand and we sing and you hold on to that pew as hard as you can. I'm not going anywhere. I need God to show me a sign. Oh, he showed a sign 2,000 years ago. Calvary's cross had your name on it, my name. He died, paid for it all, and says, I'll give you a gift of eternal life if you're willing to receive it. Well, what do I need to do, Lord? Well, you've got to believe. You've got to place your faith in it. You can't be the kind of faith I'm talking about in verses 23 through 25. It's got to be total surrender, all in, all in. And if you're serious, I'm serious. I love that about God. So this morning, any distractions in your life? If there is and you're not a Christian, what is worth missing heaven for? Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. With every head bowed, not looking around, not looking at people, I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in the room this morning that would be, able, be willing to say, Brother Greg, I do feel distracted as a Christian. If that's you, just raise your hand. You can put it right back down. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. In every, every field. Thank you for being honest. 
For some, it's, it's to slow down. For some of us, we need to, we, we need to learn how to say no. We need to, we need to have not say yes to everything that comes along. And when you overextend yourself, folks, you start doing everything not as good as you once did. Maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, I've never given my life to Christ, but it sure does feel like God's speaking to me. Is it time for you? Has God put September 10th down as your day? In the quietness of your heart, call on him. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me my sin, and to live in me. I believe you died, they buried you, and you rose from the grave. So Lord Jesus, I'm asking you this morning to give me eternal life, everlasting life, based on the cross, burial, and your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for letting us worship you. Help us to be reminded that you're here every service. It's not just this morning, it's every time we come together. So Lord, help us remove the distractions. In your sweet name we pray, amen. Invitation, I surrender all. I'll be here at the floor. Cody will be here, Tim will be here. Tim and Lena come. If you want to pray as a couple with them, ladies, you come, okay? If you prayed that prayer and you meant it this morning, don't be, don't be ashamed of that. That's why we give an invitation. Maybe God just calling you to come and pray, you're always welcome to do that. Father, have your way. Help us to be obedient. In your name we pray, amen. Let's sing together. You come. Sing the chorus. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to put your hands out in front of you, palms up. And Lord, we pray as a church, as individuals, as, as believers, as Christians, that you would teach us how to live a surrendered life. Lord, forgive us when we act like we're in control of everything. We're not in control of anything. But we can trust you for everything. Lord, I pray that we would see others uh, who don't know Christ, Lord, 
not as some kind of target, but as as a lost sheep. Help us to share our story of how much you love us and what you did at Calvary. Lord, every, every person in here, everybody may not have the gift of an evangelist, but the evangelism, Lord, is a call to every believer. Help us to share, help us to love, help us to go. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to go ahead and be seated. We're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Okay, just go ahead and be seated. I've got some guys. Charlie, will you come help me? Ken, will you come help me on your side? We're going to go ahead and pass ballots out. And as we do that, just take one, move them around, make sure every member, we're going to ask you to be a member to vote.